Welcome all you cats and kids out there. This is Brad. And Roger. Today we're going to talk a little bit about homework. Should you give it? How do you give it? How do you get kids to do it if they're not doing it? Yeah, I I uh, I have mixed feelings about homework. My dad used to tell the story of uh, mixed feelings and being conflicted about his mother-in-law going over the cliff in his brand new Cadillac. Mixed feelings about homework, uh, and I think it I, I I think it kind of depends on the class. And uh, there probably are no right answers. This is mainly a reflection and question uh, podcast. So one of the things that we were thinking about is what is the point of homework? And when we're talking homework, we're talking independent practice in class and or things that you bring home, things other than the lecture. Right. And, uh, you know, homework... uh, you know, what is a home anymore? Uh, nuclear families are a thing of the past. And uh, those of us who grew up in the 50s think of coming home from school, being asked to show their your work, being grilled by a parent. Uh, those days are gone. So the word, uh, I like what Brad said, it really isn't homework. It's some kind of practice or connector between what was done in that class that day and what to look forward to the next day. A lot of schools, and we're talking primarily secondary here, are focusing more on summative assessments. I know in my district, we grade 80% on summative or what some people might call tests and quizzes, and 20% on formative, which might be homework or other tasks. And a lot of that homework or independent study time is done in class. But is it all needed? And what do you do if kids don't do it? And we kind of came up with three points that seem pretty valid, but we don't have all the answers. One is to practice what was just taught. Another point would be to apply knowledge. So take what was just taught and apply it to something else to get better at it. And then the next point, and not that there aren't more than three, would be to prepare for the next thing, whether it's the next day or the next um, step within the learning process. Yeah, we, we hear a lot about regression over the summer months, and there's been talk for years about, well, let's e- extend the school year. Well, that means money, so we're, we're, we're still back at nine months a year of school back in the 1920s or 1930s. But regression can happen day to day. And I I think a student, uh, if there is independent practice time, uh, there there is some connector, as I said earlier, between what was done and what's coming next. It it cuts down, it it gets the kid uh, kind of in focus, hopefully, more than just that uh, 50 minutes you have them during uh, during the cl- during class time so moving towards we don't give homework as busy work and teachers that's kind of a trigger when people say oh you're just doing this for busy work we don't tend to do that but 
along the lines of what is most essential to have the kids do. And we're thinking about those kids. Maybe it's um, the bottom third of your students who aren't fully engaged most of the time in doing the work or in class and following through. And what do you do to get them to do it? Or what things do you have them do so they can learn what's essential for them to be successful, not in just your class, but what are you teaching in your class that transcends all of education to help them become um, independent people within our society? And kids are smart. They know when it's busy work. I remember evaluating the social studies teacher several years ago who loved to give out packets. And with me sitting there, this student said, hey, and this isn't her name, Mrs. Smith, this is just busy work. And the kid said, everybody knows it. Oh, my God, the teacher got upset. And because partly because I was sitting there and mainly because she knew it was busy work. There was no need to hand out these packets and have kids rehash, regurgitate what had been said before. So first of all, kids are smart. They know if the work is going to help them. You may have to articulate that for some kids, explain why it isn't just busy work and why it's important. So what do you do when the students, a few of them, and maybe there's three in, in an hour or in a section that aren't doing the stuff? Do you just let it go? Do you ignore them? Or as a professional, are there things that you know that this kid needs from your class that you need to get to? Well, Brad, how do you get them to do the work? First of all, the teacher has to know that it's important work. Relay that to the kids. I'm not just doing this to screw you over, to yell at you or anything else. Again, it goes back to some of our earlier, earlier podcasts about relationships. If this kid trusts you and believes you, you have a leg up on getting them to do the work. If they think you're an idiot and a jerk, which sadly some of us are sometimes, uh, the kid is never going to do it. If they think of you just as a taskmaster or uh, the... Uh, the guard at Stalag 19 in Germany. You have to have that relationship. I think with these three kids Brad was talking about or four in a class, I think to, to tell them one-on-one, -on -one, hey, this is why I want you to do this. This is important. And the teacher's got to be able to say why it's important to do. So our challenge to you as teachers out there, or for you to challenge your colleagues that are complaining about these few students, is the challenge of professionalism. Those students that aren't getting that stuff done, it's so easy to turn a blind eye or get frustrated or complain to somebody else. But our challenge to you is what are three things that are the most essential in your class that you want kids to learn. They may be soft skills, they may be specific content things, or they may be thinking processes 
that you cover within your content area as a professional that will help them in those next steps. And I'm not talking about next steps for college. I'm talking about success in life. The students that aren't doing the work, I'm not saying aren't going to four-year school or two-year school, but your job when they're in front of you is to get to them. So what are the three things? Really think about that. And maybe there's less than three things. What's the one thing that you can get this student to learn from you and with you for what's left in that semester that will help them with life? And like Roger said, part of it's connecting with them and finding out maybe what their passions are so you know how to phrase it to them and let them know why this piece is important. But part of that also might be that you need to give up some control as far as that they need to do everything. Or in order to be successful, they need in life after high school, they've got to follow through with everything that's expected. Maybe there's one specific task. Maybe it happens to be an assignment. or But maybe more it's a soft skill that you are going to make it your mission for this one, two, or three kids in this class to get to. It's so easy to just sit back and say, I give up on them. And we know that doesn't come easy. But at some point when you're feeling that, that's when you got to maybe attack the problem and figure out how can I get to this kid. Brett, what about the teacher out there who doesn't know what to do? Where did they go? Uh, who did they talk to? Uh, do they go home at night and cry themselves to sleep, knowing that half of their class isn't doing the work, isn't learning, doesn't understand the objectives? Besides listening to our podcast and learning everything, so to speak, where do they go to say, I'm not getting this done? You know, teachers, we're in silos, and the, the classroom is your domain etc. You don't want to admit you're having trouble. But where can they go uh, to learn more or to, to, to share their frustrations? Well, I think there's a few places that you can start with within building a network. And one might be when it comes to that kid, some of their other teachers. There might be a class or two where they're doing okay. I've had teachers struggle or kids struggle in math and had huge behavior problems. And then in some other place, it might be English, history. Sometimes it's art. They're doing well. Um, finding out from those teachers or teachers in the past things that they see in the kids. And again, I'm going to go back to it's maybe some soft skills or talking with the counselor or trying to have a conversation with the parents on what are things that their student is interested in? What are some things that um, they can see their student doing outside of school? I'm not saying that you're developing an IEP or something for these kids, but if a kid's not performing in your class, instead of beating yourself up over it or beating them up over it or saying forget it, um, finding someone to connect with. It might be the counselor. I, I, I like that you brought up the counselor. I think that that uh, counselors are probably the most valuable people in the school in that they get to talk to all kinds of kids, all kinds of teachers, and have a view 
that you in a classroom can't possibly have. Most of them that I've dealt with, like all of them, will take the time. You go in and say, I'm having trouble with Brad. Uh, he doesn't seem to listen to me. He does th that. They will have insights that uh, no one else does. And uh, they're, they're, they're helper kind of people, not only for students, but they want their students to do well and they will help a teacher to make that happen. I think that's a good idea, Brad, in the counselor. I think the other piece is, is that taking a step back and knowing that part of your job is to help teach the kid. And we've got standards pushed on us by the state. Right. We have expectations by the district, our building principals, and even the colleagues in our department that we have to get them through this material so that the student can move on to the next piece. But with these two or three students that we're identifying with, that they're not getting anything done. I need you to try to let go of those pieces. I'm not saying break the law and don't do the standards, but ask yourself, what is the one or two or three golden ticket things, essential things that I can get this kid to learn or move forward on because they're not hitting the standards anyways. Let go and forgive yourself of I've got to get through all of this or forget it, this kid, I don't need to deal with it and make it your goal or mission to get one learning thing from them. And I don't mean one homework assignment, but helping them come and understand, learn, or be able to apply one essential thing. Yeah, half a loaf is better than <laughs> no loaf at all. And I think what Brad's talking about is being realistic with kids and saying, hey, this kid isn't going to get all these objectives in English or math, uh, but I can get them to the point where they learn some of them or part of them or maybe I have to go back and and revisit objectives that were taught in the third week because they never got it hey you're there to do the best you can with the uh, with the student you have they're they're all different uh, some of them didn't learn to read when they should have some of them didn't learn uh, uh, addition and subtractive in in, in the third grade Take them where they are, do what you can, and I, I like the word forgive, uh, and and then move on, uh, and uh, because you are professionals, you have to step back and do what you can. So in closing, if you're struggling, seek out a colleague, counselor, seek out the family. Also, though, look, think about and explore what do I teach in my class that a student will need to survive after high school. Not just live, but to survive. Try to teach that to them. Monitor and adjust. And see if you can get some movement because just ignoring them or continuing to not address that isn't helpful and isn't going to help them be successful after school either. Hey, are we done for this time? Let's be done. 
we're, let's be done. We've kind of wandered all over the map. Again, homework is tough. Uh, cat litter is tough. Uh, and uh, and my, my kitty uh, uh, uses it often. And I don't know where I'm going with this, Brad. <laughs> Have a good night. Yeah, bye. That sound means that it's the end of another episode. But before we wrap up and go feed our kitties, we want to remind you that if you have ideas or other strategies, please share them on our Facebook page or comment below. And remember, when you enter the classroom, you can love cats, but you must love kids more.